Hey everyone, welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where we watch a new movie each episode and ask ourselves, why the flick did we watch this? I'm your host, Claire, and this week I am thrilled to be joined by Danielle from No More Late Fees. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thanks so much for letting me be on and joining. Yay. I'm super excited. I have to say that I'm a huge fan of your social channels, like your videos that you create are goals to me. Like they're so freaking good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, Especially like I'm like, is anyone even watching these? Sometimes I feel like that, but they're they're fun to create but sometimes it's a lot to like keep up with yeah I can I can imagine I'm a child of the 90s and like that's my favorite era um and I I love I have a love-hate relationship with the early 2000s so I feel like that's just like the time that I adore and so like that's the content (laughs) that you create so it's definitely nostalgic to me well I'm glad that we met on Instagram it's you know, podcasting is, I've, like Jackie and I, my co-host on the show, um, we have found the community to be so, like, welcoming and open and kind. Mm-hmm. Um, not really, it, it's been rare to find people who are kind of, like, competitive, but everyone else has just been, like, n- not a scarcity mindset, which is so nice. So, yeah. Um, so thankful for the podcast because I've met a lot of internet friends. (laughs) I know that's same here. Like, and I've met so many other podcasters and I've become friends with them. Um, So I I feel really fortunate that I have this platform to get to meet other people and talk about movies with other people too, um, because it is a big loving community. And so since we are a movie podcast, we're going to obviously be talking about a movie today. And that movie is Waitress. It released in 2007, and it is not only directed, but it is written and starred Adrian Shelley. Uh, she played Dawn. This was the first time I ever realized this. I, When I first watched it years ago, I didn't realize um, that she was Dawn. Um, but yeah, that, that was exciting to see. And so the IMDb description for this movie, in case anyone hasn't seen it or maybe needs a refresher... Uh, says Jenna is a pregnant, unhappily married waitress in the Deep South. She meets a newcomer to her town and falls into an unlikely relationship as a last attempt at happiness. Um, so, <laughs> Danielle, uh, why the flick did you choose this movie? Oh gosh, it's a long one. But um, so on our podcast, we really only cover movies from 1995 to 2005. So there are a few movies that fall outside of that. And I'm like, oh man, I'm yeah. so sad. And Waitress happens to be one of them. Um, I was living in New York when this movie came out. And um, I used to run a website where I'd post like free and cheap things to do in New York. Because I would just always want to find fun things to do. And it was a recession, a recession. So I was like, I don't have a lot of money. Um, and so I found like 
places where you could sign up for screenings and stuff like that. So I had gotten um, free passes to see this movie as a screening. I was totally down for it because I am like, I have a few actors from the nineties that I'm obsessed with. Um, And Carrie Russell is definitely on that list because she was on the Mickey Mouse Club. (laughs) And (laughs) um, that show was everything for me because when we moved to Florida, I I was like, this could be me. I could be them. You know, like, I have no talent for acting (laughs) or (laughs) singing. But, you know, I was just like, vibes. Love Carrie. Um, And then she did Felicity. Again, obsessed with that show. So, like, everything she does, I, I love her. Um, and while I was in New York, I think it hadn't happened yet when the movie came out, but I had seen, I saw her twice oh, just wow. on the street. Oh my gosh. And that's I was amazing. like, she loves me. We're yeah. supposed to be friends. Yeah. You know, like it's a real situation. You could feel the connection uh, even if you guys could... hadn't made one. Uh, yeah. She probably thinks I'm a stalker, but like <laughs> the first time I saw her, I didn't say anything. But the second time, I was just like, I'm, I just love you, man. I just, mm-hmm. I just, you're the, you're the best. Um, and then Nathan Fillion was also in the movie, and I also have an affinity for soap opera um, mm. stars. And I don't think a lot of people know that he used to be on One Life to Live back in the day. Oh my gosh! And so I was like, okay, I'm. And plus, I also love the show Firefly that got canceled after one season. So it was just like a yeah. It, it was kismet for me. I was like, I, I really don't even care if this movie is good to people I very much like are in it. And then it just turned out to be, in my opinion, I really loved the movie. And then it went on to have a musical mm-hmm. and it, the musical is so good. It, it's like a whole separate entity, which doesn't usually happen for me. Yeah. Um, but they did a really good job of that. Adrian Shelley did a really good job with the script. Um, it was an indie movie and I just loved it. It was really sad to hear what happened to her. Same. Um, but I, I'm glad that I was able to do this movie on your show yeah. and talk about it. Yeah. You had this on your list. And as soon as I saw it, like I just had like the comforting feels. I was just like, I want to go like, watch this movie again. It'd been a long time since I'd seen it. But I remembered really liking it. Um, I watched it for the first time in 2013 when I was interning in um, Indianapolis. And one of my intern friends told me about this movie and she was like, we should watch it together. So we did. And I think I don't know if this is the case. I can't remember, but I feel like maybe she had me watch it because the waitress musical was out that year or coming out that year. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was super timely. And so she wanted me to watch the movie we did. And I thought it was so good. Like it was so charming and cute, but also incredibly deep and moving. And I feel like now that I'm older and I've watched it again, I feel like I have so much more of an appreciation for the movie and the messages that it sends. And so, yeah, I just, I loved getting to revisit this one. I I also just love like, you know, something happened with with um color in movies after the two thousands mm-hmm. where we don't get a lot of like bright, beautiful colors and they were able to do that, especially the pies. Yes. If you're listening 
and you've never watched this movie, make sure you have some sweets, something delicious to eat or have with you because watching this movie is a treat for your eyes. There's so many delicious pies on screen. It's going to mm-hmm. make you – I'm not even a pie person, but yeah, I was totally down Absolutely. <laughs> for all like, her pies. Every single pie that I saw on screen, I was like, I would eat that. I would eat – even like the ones that were nasty, <laughs> like with oatmeal or like mashed fruitcake, I was like, mm, I'd still try it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, I was really excited when I went to see um, the musical – because they had pies to sell, so you got to oh my have gosh. pie while you watched it, that and it was so wonderful. Cool. Yeah, I really want to go see. I have never, I've not seen the musical, um, but I feel like it's on my bucket list of things to do. I highly recommend it. It's so good. The song. So another funny kismet thing. Like I just always feel connected to this movie because I've had so many different opportunities to kind of like participate in it in a weird way, like getting the free screening tickets. And then we went to see Sarah um, Borealis. I think that's how you say her name. Um, We went to go see her show one year and she was fantastic. And there's not a lot of people I've seen that sing so well that like I kind of tear up and cry. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was like, Hey, I am writing a musical and I just want to play some of the songs to see how you guys what you guys think and I was like oh I hate when artists start putting out new stuff I want to hear you know (laughs) I'm like thinking all the stuff in my head and when she started singing those songs from Waitress I was I was crying oh my gosh it was just like oh my god I I I don't even know what just happened um so I was just like okay when this comes out I have to go see it I have to see the musical yeah, I'm definitely so. going to have to at least listen to like a soundtrack somewhere because I have no, I don't think I've ever even like heard a song from the musical. <gasps> oh my God. So immediately um, after this, I need to like get a Spotify playlist. I actually would recommend like, yes, okay. Spotify all the way, but go to YouTube and um, watch because they have some of the clips from the musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the f- First girl to play the role, and I think she, be- I believe she got a Tony. And oh, wow. Jess, Jessie, I think is her name. I might be wrong on that. She sings it amazingly. Oh. And then there's clips as well of Sarah doing playing the wor- role of Jenna. Yeah. Um, she she came on and Jason Mraz. So watching those two, oh my god, play those roles, it's so epic. So I would highly recommend watching that on youtube first and then played the the playlist (laughs) that's what i'm gonna do when i I like when i get ready for bed because i i tend to like doom scroll before i go to bed and so like i'm just gonna lay in bed and watch this (laughs) watch these clips (laughs) Uh, but but yeah um we already kind of mentioned adrian shelley but i want to take a moment to like talk about her talk about her life and talk about what tragically happened to her Um, Because sadly, she never got to see the culmination of her work. She was tragically murdered on November 1st in 2006, which was six months before the movie released. Um, And she was only 40 years old at the time. So certainly taken too soon um, from this world. And it's an immense loss. 
uh, because I haven't seen her other films, but if they are anything like Waitress, then I'm sure they were phenomenal as well. Um, I saw that HBO has a documentary out about Adrian. It's called Adrian. Uh, they released it a couple of years ago, and it's actually directed by her husband, Andy Ostroy. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I was going to try to before this recording, but I didn't have time. Um, but I definitely want to go like check it out. And um, I ended up reading an article that kind of went through some of the different highlights about her life that I wanted to to kind of share. Um, so she had um, she dropped out of college in her junior year to move to New York and pursue acting. And so her first big breaks kind of came with two movies back to back. One was The Unbelievable Truth, which came out in 1989, and then Trust, which came out in 1990. Uh, but then in the late 90s, she started to begin to write and direct her own movies. And her films, as we kind of see in, well, very much see in Waitress, um, portray very authentic but complicated and strong-willed women. Um, and so the three films that she ended up directing one was waitress and the other two were sudden manhattan and i'll take you there so those are ones that like i'm adding to my list to to watch because i want to go back and see her work have you um seen any of those films uh i think sudden manhattan sounds familiar but i'm mm. not sure if i saw it or not um i don't think so yeah yeah um and then for waitress she she won several posthumous awards for her work um but yeah i i really want to go watch the hbo documentary um because i'm sure they yeah. get um, a lot more into everything um about her her backstory and what happened to her but yeah it's it's incredibly sad um but i i'm happy that we got this work out of her while she was still here with us yeah the her murder was so suspicious when it happened in the first place mm -hmm. and I don't know like I, I feel like they might they looked at the husband first a minute really? there um, well for like the way that it was set up was that she, it, like she committed suicide yeah but it wasn't Um, so yeah I, I don't know it it's just so I still don't understand like why the reasoning behind it yeah it it was um, a lot of situations in between, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, really sad. yeah, definitely. And I think in the documentary, um, her husband actually goes to the prison where the guy who did it is now, and like kind of talks to him, um, which I'm sure has to be like so many different like emotions and and things that you're experiencing when you're going through that ki kind of situation um but yeah there's like I said there's definitely that HBO documentary um so I'm gonna check it out I haven't seen it but I encourage everyone to like go check it out so you can learn a little bit more about Adrian um but yeah with um I know it's kind of hard to like segue from that into talking about talking about this this wonderful movie but I think maybe the best place to start is with Carrie Russell herself because she's so great in this movie like she's I feel like so perfectly cast in this role yeah. 
and she brings such a charm and relatability um, to Jenna, who is a waitress at a local pie diner. And like all she wants to do in life is make pies and enter a pie competition. But in her reality, she's stuck in this very abusive marriage. And on top of that, she finds out that she is pregnant right as about she right as she is about to try to run away. So it really creates this tragic dynamic for her. But at the same time, she brings such like a comedic um, personality to the role that the range on on her is just phenomenal. Yeah, I think a lot of people think of her as just a serious actress. But I think if she really went the other way, she could do comedy. Yeah. Um, And even just like physical comedy on top of that, because I've seen her do a little bit in like Austin land um, where (laughs) she is pretty funny in that movie. And it's actually a lot of um, a lot of comedic actors around her, but she doesn't Mm -hmm. kind of fall in the background because she can kind of keep up. So, yeah. Um, well, I saw Cocaine I, I like, Bear, and so you know that's, oh, that's a, right. <laughs> that was one where it's like, oh my gosh, Carrie Russell's in this, so like, it's gonna be good. And it, it I mean, I liked it, 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 parts of it, but like, yeah, that's it's the one <laughs> where it's a co- comedy movie with Carrie Russell in it, and she's she's really good in that one too. And a lot of the other actors in this movie are like comedic actors. Yeah. I mean, you have like Cheryl Hines in here. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? It is a lot of levity when. There are a lot of um, what could be this could be just like a pure drama, but that lightness, um, her going through this abusive relationship, her being pregnant, her trying to escape and still having to do like the mundane task of like going to this diner every day. um, It could have been really draining, but Mm -hmm. somehow she's able to kind of make it fun. Um, like you said, and her chemistry with even with like with everybody, her yeah. chemistry with her friends and the people at the diner with Andy Griffin. I know. Gr- Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, her relation, her relationship with Nathan Fillion's character and their chemistry. But she also has I mean, it's an abusive relationship, but they have like have pretty good chemistry, too, with um, Jeremy Sisto. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would uh, say so for sure. And I think like the premise itself is so depressing when you read it on text or on screen, whatever. <laughs> um, but Carrie has such like a way of bringing nuance to the role. And like there's so many scenes where like one minute she's very lighthearted and sarcastic or, or witty, whatever. And then one minute she's super burdened and, and lets her guards down. I think she does that a lot with Jim mostly um, later on in the movie, but I don't know. I just feel like she does a really good job of balancing all of these mo- emotions at one time because there's fear that she has for her well being and her life. And there's also annoyance um at the situation that she's in but then she also has these like bliss moments where she's making her pies and I don't know I just I really like the portrayal that she brought to this role yeah and the movie does like such a good job uh of playing in the gray areas Mm -hmm. because like how many movies are you really rooting for um cheaters like people cheating yeah 
And <laughs> also, I loved how it kind of flips the idea of a woman being pregnant and she's having like this. It's like when women are pregnant, you kind of put them in this corner that they're not sexual beings anymore. Right. They're like on pause. And she's like fully out there having the time of her life. Yes. Her life. Hell yeah. So that was pretty interesting too. Yeah. I remember watching it for the first time and thinking like, cheating's bad, but I love <laughs> but- them. So like, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this. But I think like they do a really good job of setting up how much of an asshole like Earl is early on to the point where once once Jenna starts having the affair with Jim, we're like, yeah, you go girl. Like you deserve this. But then also it's a complicated feeling because then I'm like, there's a whole Jim and his wife aspect where I have different feelings about, but, but I'm just focused on Jenna. I always wondered if they named him Earl after the, um, the chicks song. As I'm so glad you said that because like, as soon as I'd forgotten his name was Earl. And as soon as they said Earl, I was like, this is definitely goodbye Earl from the chicks. (laughs) I mean, I can't find any proof, but I, the proof is in the pudding, honestly. <laughs> the proof is in the pie. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, like, it's, it is, it's Earl. Like, it is goodbye Earl. Like, minus, like, one friend who's helping, you know, kill off Earl. Minus, right. Minus that part. But everything else tracks. Yeah. Um, I'm always curious of like where this town is supposed to exist as well. Like where, where are they living? Obviously it seems like it's one of those towns off a highway. Like you stop there to get gas, but you're not. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, Oh, you know, let's hurry up and leave. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's like some nice areas when we see her go to like the doctor's office, which the doctor's office just looks like a house that's been like renovated into a doctor's office. So like there's a neighborhood there. Um, But definitely where she lives with Earl looks a little bit off the beaten path. And I love that. Um, Nathan Fillion's character isn't like he's new like she's never met him before yeah it's all circumstantial because her gynecologist I don't know I forgot if they retired or they were out or something like that and he took over the practice or something so I thought that was like because she's so disarmed and scared like what the hell's going on when she goes um yeah, and of course he's hooked with her pie. Oh yeah, I just want to talk about her pies really quick. Like I just could have a whole conversation about her pies, to be honest. But like, <laughs> I the way that they use the pies as a story device, I feel like is so genius. And the emotions that Jenna is going through are like symbolized in her pies that she is making. So like. When she's in a good mood, it's like the ingredients are really yummy and delicious and it's like melted chocolate. Um, Right. And when it's a bad mood, it's like lumpy oatmeal and mashed fruit cake. Um, (laughs) But I just like I literally wrote down all the pies and wrote the ingredients that she was putting in them because I was like, I feel like I want to recreate some of these. Yeah, they just look really pretty. The one with those 
mar I think it was like a mermaid one. Or Marshmallow something. mermaid pie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. One of it my just, favorites. It, it, it was fun. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorites was um I can't have no affair because it's wrong and I don't want Earl to kill me pie. And it's vanilla <laughs> custard with banana. Hold the banana. <laughs> <sighs> and then yeah, I think one of my other favorites was like she makes pumpkin pie for Jim that's when she goes back to the doctor and it's her old doctor again because Jim and his wife had to I think go to a funeral um but she goes naughty pumpkin pie and it's just like <laughs> I love that pumpkin pie I think it's just inherently naughty <laughs> it's funny like I don't really eat pumpkin pie it, I went to the I was actually at the doctor and um, my nurse was taking my blood and she was like oh what are you doing for Thanksgiving and mm -hmm. um, then she asked me like oh do I have pie uh, are you gonna have pumpkin pie and I was like mm, no she's like oh you don't like the pumpkin pie I was like not really no it's it, I think it's just like a cultural thing um, yeah because one, I'm, I live in the South, and two, I think in Black households, we don't really, we don't go crazy for pumpkin, but mm. sweet potato, if you bring pumpkin mm. pie to a Black person's house, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that to her, and she was like, no, I don't think it has to do anything with race. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> but it's, I just, I don't think it's a coincidence yeah. We don't really eat pumpkin pie like that. Yeah. It's sweet potato. Yeah. I like, um, I should say, I like apple pie, I think, the most of, like, Same. any pie. I don't know. I will eat pumpkin pie, but it's not, like, my favorite, and I actually don't care for. This is probably a very contentious um, discussion now about pumpkin flavor things, but I don't <laughs> really particularly care for, like, pumpkin spice like in Anything, general yeah. yeah um and I know that's like super strange probably for people to hear because everyone seems to like pumpkin spice so much but I'm just not like a big I fan like, of it I like apple like what yeah. happened to apple how yeah. did apple lose this fight for fall how Absolutely. apple pie apple cider apple spice yeah. like Mama likes apple. I don't know where pumpkin came. I do like pumpkin soups or mm. using pumpkin as like a base in soups. Yeah. But I'm not trying to have it in everything. I don't know why everyone's so crazy about it. I I love making an apple pie from scratch. Um, I haven't done it recently, but like I would literally like make the dough from scratch, cook the apples down, put them in the pie pan with the with the um crust. Fold in the crust on top, like do a little intricate like design around the edging. And then I was like, I don't have time for this anymore. <laughs> Just get the <laughs> store bought stuff, store bought a uh, crust. But um, but yeah, where's the apple pie love here? I don't know. I think in the like when one of my favorite things to do when I used to live in the Northeast was go to um, Amish towns villages yeah. and have Amish food and my god they make some of the best apple pie I've ever had in my life because mm. they make everything from scratch so yeah <sighs> so good maybe if you're ever in Dover Delaware yeah stop by they have apple orchards and they have um 
like an Amish. Uh, I don't want it's not a store because it's like a market mm-hmm. and there's just like, they make all this food oh and gosh. you can go literally buy a whole cake, carrot cake, a half a cake. They'll do oh half God. a pie. If you are by yourself, <sighs> it's so good. <laughs> this is really motivating me to make apple pie for Thanksgiving. I swore I don't think I was going to do it, but now I'm like, I feel like I'm convincing myself because like personally like it's just selfish like I just want apple pie so like I kind of bring it so I can eat it um I think our family's having um a potluck dinner situation I don't know why they're naming it that because it's literally how it's done every year but I'm like (laughs) sure okay and I've been asked to make Brussels sprouts um and Mm. I'm gonna make a banana pudding and a pineapple upside down cake Oh yum! Oh, my gosh, so that sounds I delicious. Am excited for that, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, love all of her pies. Like and like I said, like the the way that she names them are indignant of like the ingredients that she puts in there too. So like she has one where it's like baby screaming its head off in the middle of the night and ruining my life pie, and it has like brandy brushed <laughs> on the on the um on the pie. <laughs> Um, and then there's like, what was this? was there? Oh, Earl murders me because I'm having an affair pie and it's smashed blackberries and raspberries. And yeah, <laughs> just, it's just like brilliant. And I, I love how like they speed up the, like the frame rate on the, um, footage when they're showing the pie. So it's like really like fast, like her filling in the pie and putting all the ingredients in there. Um, so it feels like, I don't know. It's just, it's just really good. I love it so much. Yeah. I just, I was always curious about who actually made the pies for that movie. And I feel like I was watching something and they actually talked about it and Mm. it's probably because of the musical. I have to go back and look, but okay, yeah, the pies were its own character, Mm -hmm. but one of my favorite characters, like obviously Dawn was adorable, but her relationship with Ogie Eddie Jeminson, yeah, love him. If you like the Ocean Eleven movies, yes. he he's in them, and he's so funny in this movie. He is. As soon as he came on screen, I was like, "Oh my god, Eddie Jeminson, love him!" <laughs> um, when he's yeah, doing his poetry, oh my reading gosh. to not even reading like they're coming off the top of his head to dawn and they're like the most simple (laughs) poems but he's like they're like two second poems where he's like your hair is and then he like rhymes it very easily or something i didn't i didn't uh, remember them but yeah he's he's very funny i think like with ogie like he like i literally wrote him down as dawn's psycho stalker but like (laughs) because he is like yeah he is he is on one hand it's eddie so like he's very funny um in the role and i think he does a really good job with it and then there's a there's another side of it where i'm like if this wasn't him like this would be so creepy and (laughs) and ron for sure it's definitely giving i wore her down vibes like it's giving I want choice. to like wear your skin vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he has a basket with lotion ready to just oh, drop on her. 100%. He has that. 
he already probably has like hair and nail clippings stored in like you know ziploc baggies around his house 100 <laughs> percent. but but yeah that's i mean that's what he does he like immediately okay first of all i love that don um has these things this thing called five minute dates which i feel like is what we now call online dating where it's just like swipe swipe left or swipe right but it's five minute (laughs) dates where she decides in five minutes if she's gonna continue with it or not um so i love that and then yeah ogi basically meets her for five minutes and says he wants to to marry her and he's gonna (laughs) which is a lot that's a lot and um doing a lot doing a lot and he he calls her what 30 times in one day and that would probably weaken down anyone um so yeah with yeah. with Ogi and Don i get, i think like sh- he grew on her but also it's strange because he weakened her so i'm like are you are you with him because of that or are you with him cuz you do like him they were definitely an interesting couple yeah I think she just made up her mind that, you know what? I'm sick of dating these guys. Yeah. Guys can, I I think they could be either playing like real chill, not trying to commit. And yes, Ogi comes off as stalkerish, but I think you get to a certain age where you're like, you know what? I deserve to have someone be absolutely obsessed with me as long as he's not trying to kill me. Right. Um, He's like devoted to her and she's like, you know what? I like him enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's and there it. is like that one funny, speaking of like Carrie Russell being funny in this movie, there is like that one part where Don says to her, I found someone who loves me to death. And Jenna's like, well, I hope not to death. And <laughs> then Don just like storms away. Um, but yeah, always oh, interesting. There's like so many interesting men in this movie. Um also joe who we already mentioned andy griffith right is the pie diner owner and he's one who's like yes the grumpy old man he's on the surface like a curmudgeon but on the inside he's just a little softy i feel like and yeah i love his character development and growth throughout the movie it's just nice to see with all the obstacles jenna has in her her life and obviously her picking Earl means that even in her childhood she had some stuff going on yeah to see that she's been able to create her own family and have all the support um, and people who see things in her that maybe she can't quite see in herself but she starts to get there you know Um, and it doesn't come from Earl it doesn't come from uh the doctor lover um it comes from the baby you know Mm -hmm. her wanting to do better for the baby and find joy with having this new life that was really sweet to see that she decided to like push past all the bad and and try to like do everything she could for the baby to have a good life yeah and I feel like Joe really like set that in motion for her um yeah especially like once she got to be with him and like know him a little bit more because like in the beginning he's just like this customer that like nobody wants to 
to deal with and like <laughs> I've been in the service industry so I definitely know like that kind of person where you're just like oh right you're gonna be very weird with your order and you know want <laughs> two glasses of water with no ice and tomato on the side in its own special plate and orange juice with the meal not before um so he's definitely got his quirks I also love that he loves gossip and reading dear Elizabeth in the newspapers <laughs> like that's super endearing um but my favorite thing about him is that he's an Aquarius uh, because I'm an Aquarius. So I felt like I was like, Joe, I see you as Aquariuses are weird. <laughs> uh, you guys aren't weird. It's just you think outside the box. You think outside you. what um, society would deem as quote unquote normal. I think a lot people who have Aquarius signs as their sun rising or moon. Um, those are the creative minds that help us problem solve mm. because they're not thinking about like what's there. They're thinking way outside far in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that makes me feel so good. And uh, Jenna said she's an Aquarius too, which like, tracks because she definitely has that creative mindset with all of the pies that she's making too <laughs> yeah my problem is that I I'm a cancer I'm always attracted to Aquarius men and it's not it's not working if you're a cancer woman leave it alone yeah it's not for you <laughs> <So funny. laughs> you're not about that life yeah yeah um. <laughs> Yeah, I just learned like maybe like within the last year, like my full um, horoscope Chart. of like my yeah of like sun, moon, and rising. Um, so what's your moon and rising? My moon is Gemini, and my mm -hmm. rising is Leo. So your um your rising is how people perceive you. If you were a house, it's like what the front of the house would look like. Mm -hmm. Um, your moon, well, your, uh, sun is when people go inside your house, how you're entertaining and how you want people to see you. Okay. And then your moon is the room upstairs that during a party, no one's going into your bedroom, but that <laughs> is your most sacred who you are self. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> I like, I, I knew this, the, the sun moon and rising but i did not know the um am i saying that right so your sun is like your primary sign like like yeah. you know right mm -hmm. okay um but i didn't know like the like meanings behind each one i was just like i feel like i relate to all of three of those like in some way or other yeah they show up and when you look at those aspects then it makes you under like you understand like where they fit yeah um it's also like your moon is supposed to be your relationship with your mother and your sun mm. is your relationship with your father. Mm. Um, and then you have all the other placements in your different houses for the different aspects of your life, you know, your career, your luck, your um, home life, um, your love life. Yeah. Uh, I always identified just as a cancer. And then when I saw my chart, I was like, Oh, this makes so much sense. Can you, can you share what your other ones are? 
<laughs> so my rising is Scorpio. I used oh. to get a lot of people saying that I was intimidating and I was just like, the cancer me is like, why? I'm, I'm lovable. <laughs> Love me. Yeah. I'm sweet. Yeah. Um. So the Scorpio can be very, uh, you know, they're very deep and moody. They can, they can see right through you. People mm. would say like, oh, one, like, you look at me and I feel like you see right. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's just me, Mario, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then my moon is Libra, which mm. I didn't realize I had so many air placements. Yeah. Like my Venus is Gemini. And I was like, oh, that's why I have a hard time because I'm floating away. I'm trying yeah. to be chill, you know? Yeah. I feel that. So I feel that one like Gemini and Aquarius. I was like, oh great, two two air signs, and then Leo. Which what is Leo? Leo is a fire sign. Okay. Oh, that feels like they would conflict. <laughs> uh no, it's actually water and water and earth, and then fire and and air do well. So awesome. it should be fine. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. I've this is like horoscope podcast now like i'm fully committed to learning <laughs> i'm sure you'll, you could cut this part out <laughs> no, no this is staying in for sure people need to be educated on this this is important <laughs> it's very important stuff it but it's it's really really cool i actually um paid to have someone do my chart really um it was great she like really went into stuff and it's just so creepy because like obviously this woman doesn't know me she's not a psychic but she's just reading my chart and she's telling me all these things that have already kind of happened in my life or um how I react to things how I deal with things um so yeah and then she just kind of explained what those places were like your north node is what your life's purpose is so whatever sign is in there that can tell you a lot. It's just mm. really cool. And then I think a lot of people are like, um, astrology is a pseudoscience. It's silly. Yeah. But you have to really just look at it as um, observations, right? Like yeah. there are patterns that people have tracked for so lo- so long that you're able to say like, this is most likely what's going to happen in the, yeah. in these placements. Um, and you also have to look at the fact that astrology used to be considered a real science and mm-hmm. what has been around longer than most of the other sciences that we have. Um, and most rich people have astrologers on hand who help them. Mm-hmm. They know when to make really big business decisions, when yeah. not to spend money. Like people make fun of it, but I think, that's the whole point like if everyone was really in tune with it well how would you yeah you know how would that change your life it fits people so well once I know their sign and I'm like this track like this makes a lot of sense and I I feel that personally with an Aquarius like anytime I read something I'm like yeah that that tracks for me 100 (laughs) percent she told me I had some I have some Aquarius placements and and some um and she was telling me that when I was growing up that I probably heard a lot that I was weird or people didn't understand what I was talking about, or I just had like ideas. And, um, but now that I'm getting older, people are like, maybe that wasn't so weird or kind of, Oh, she was ahead of the curve. I was like, yes, I did get Mm -hmm. made fun of quite a bit. So (laughs) 
<laughs> about that stuff. Yeah. So. Well, let me segue this into asking if Earl has a horoscope sign, what do we think Earl's her- horoscope is? Because he's giving something, <laughs> some uh, not good combination. Would... Okay. So I would say one of his main three would have to be an Aries. Yeah. And here's the thing, like, Aries placements, people always think that they're, like, mean or rude or just, like, brute. But sometimes, and sometimes I find them to be more sensitive Mm -hmm. than even, like, a water sign. Yeah. So I could totally see him trying to, like, make up for some of his inadequate inadequacies yeah um just by his behavior so i can so see him being an aries what about you oh i don't know Mm, maybe a taurus he's stubborn enough yeah could be i i think that like the tactics that earl uses for like in ways to keep power and control are like very obviously like indicative of like domestic violence in general of like making sure that you isolate your victim enough to feel like they can't go anywhere else or that they don't have any kind of escape um and it's like even introduced in the very beginning like when we first meet Earl when he's honking his horn obsessively every single time he comes to pick her up like every time that that um horn honked as I heard it throughout the movie I I started to like get a twitch in my eye because I it was just so annoying but he does that and like he really doesn't get like physically violent except in one particular scene like a couple of times um but he gets more emotionally abusive in the movie where he like he blames Jennifer when he has outbursts or like um calling her fat when she's just pregnant so there's all these things that he does to like wear her down what one of one of the other signs was like when he finds out she's gonna have a baby he starts to get insecure that she won't take care of him or love him and he's like you're gonna love the baby more right and so just that initial conversation was like oh my god I like, and then she can't even hide the money. She's like hiding money uh, everywhere. He's controlling money because if she has money, then she has independence to be able to go. Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah. The scene when okay, first of all, I f- totally forgot that he said, "Don't love the baby more than me," because he's yeah. jealous of the baby. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" And then, <laughs> you know, she's saving all of this money and hiding it throughout the house in different spots so where he wouldn't be able to find it and like this is her ticket out of here and not only does he find the money but her only way of like stopping him from going off the deep end is to say that she was saving money for a baby crib and so now all of her money has to go to buying a crib and a freaking video camera that he just wants because he wants it um and that's like entirely frustrating because she already like does not want to have the baby really and right now all of her freedom is going toward the baby 
I always wondered like why she didn't hide the money somewhere in the restaurant in the diner yeah. or oh, like that's a good idea with her friends yeah you know? yeah but I just wonder if she didn't really get into the detail of how much he was abusive to her mm. but all the women seem to have had like pretty crappy things yeah going on with them so yeah yeah because like sad. I also forgot that like Jenna and Jim aren't even the only affair like that's happening in the movie because <laughs> Becky and Cal um, yeah. are also like having something on the side and like Becky gets into the fact that I guess her husband um, I don't know if he's in a coma or if he's just like not old. present yeah or old yeah. I'm not sure <laughs> but like I, he does not like seem to have any cognitive abilities anymore Um so yeah, they all seem to have different levels of like male relationships, but Earl is is definitely the worst the of worst. them all. One hundred percent. Um, and like I was reading up about like some think pieces about how physical violence, how it's portrayed in this movie, and it's it's I think people appreciate it that it's not like dramatized why did I say it like that dramatized (laughs) (laughs) um which I think Hollywood can tend to do a lot of the time but in this case it's it's not like maybe as realistic of a view at domestic violence but I think it works for me still like on screen like when he um thinks that she is leaving him very early on in the movie when she's trying to like go win the pie contest and he takes her in his car well at first he slaps her and that scared me and then when he's in the car with her and he like kind of like bangs her head a little bit into the glass and then that's when she has to finally admit that she's pregnant to him so he would stop going much further than that um that's really like about as far as we see him go um and Uh, what i yeah go ahead sorry go ahead no No, I mean like we only get like you said glimpses of the physical but I think one of the things the movie does really well that we don't always get to see is the other elements of abuse Mm -hmm. that because it's not like leaving a physical mark but the games the control um that we get to see Earl kind of play out I, I thought that was really good. Yeah. The way that he like coerces her into different situations and like makes her feel bad if she doesn't like want to have sex with him, but then like makes her have sex with him just to like get him to basically like shut up. And um, yeah, like all of those things, I feel like it gets way more into like the emotional abuse than the physical abuse that he is inflicting on her. Um, yeah he just takes away her autonomy which is just yeah you know and yeah and makes her feel like a shell of herself which is why if we want to talk about Jim and the affair like that's the like first time that she starts to feel um something inside herself and and feel excitement and I love Lazen Fillion like he's such a freaking cutie in (laughs) this movie and in just in general like he's so cute um but I when I first watched this I was like yeah I knew Jim was gonna be trouble when he told Jenna that he had a crush on his 
pie diner waitress as a kid. Um, <laughs> and he's like, and you know what? You remind me of her. Is that weird to say? That seems weird to say. I'm like, that is weird to say, Jim, but. To a patient. Can't. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's a whole other, like, th- like um, ethical, moral thing yeah. also happening is like you're having sex with your patient as well as an affair. Um, there's lots of layers here. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think the scene for me that's one of my favorites is the one they've like had an intimate moment right already where like they kiss out in the street Um, and then they're like, they can never happen again. And then like she comes back and they kiss again in, (laughs) in the, in the office. And one of them's like, wait, no, close the door. And, and uh, (laughs) so that's already happened. And then, like I said, so my favorite scene is when Jim is like, come back on Friday at noon and Jenna just has this like dumbfounded face the whole way home. Like, and it's to the, <laughs> it's um, the song Short Skirt Lawn Jacket by Cake is playing in the background the yeah. entire time. And it's just her with this dumbfounded face and the camera's like zooming in on her. And then she slowly turns it into a smile. And she has this huge like grinning smile the rest of the time. Like Earl's like <laughs> sleeping on her shoulder and she's just like smiling, staring off into the distance, like imagining having sex with Jim and they have a lot of sex. Yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not like just the fact that they're having this physical relationship she also starts to get this emotional relationship with him too, where he's like one of the only people she can open up to. Um, Yeah. And we see that like when he goes to visit her at the house. Yeah. I I think he even has (sighs) layers to him where, you know, if you were to look at maybe a different, even a different actor playing him, you would say that he's an absolute slime ball yeah (laughs) um but you could tell he does have real feelings for jenna he's conflicted between this situation and like his marriage but i also find it really interesting right because like here's this woman who is barefoot and pregnant essentially and his wife maybe isn't giving that to him or she's like wanting more of like a commitment from him or something like there's distance between them. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if like he's attracted to, uh, um, Jenna, not just because, you know, she's pretty, but like what she represents that maybe is missing. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of like you're a sleazeball, but (laughs) Jenna needs the support right now. So I'm going to look past it. Yeah, there's like um, something I read about the whole like infidelity, like double standard, where it's like we say yeah to Jenna and cheer for her because Earl literally sucks. Um, But it's hard to like excuse Jim because we really don't know anything about his wife except for like that one scene at the end when they're all like creepily staring at Jenna trying to push out a baby and she's just standing there and um we never like see jim and her interact though like at any other point in time and so there's nothing to really like 
show us like what his um, relationship with his wife is like, except for the fact that he's clearly there's something missing because he is drawn to Jenna so much. I mean, I think also the reason that we maybe give Jim a little bit harder time because of the power dynamic dynamics mm. that do exist here. Yeah. Um, the fact that he is her doctor, right? Yeah. Um, also he's aware that she's in some sort of abusive situation. So mm-hmm. it's not like he's like, he doesn't know he knows. Um, and so he knows she's extremely vulnerable. You have an abused woman who is pregnant. Mm-hmm. So Maybe Jenna, if she was not in that situation, may not have chosen to do that. Right. So um, I think Jim is a little bit more to blame than Jenna in this situation. Yeah. And I think like that's an interesting thing that you bring up about his power dynamic because I feel like that came through for me in the scene when Jenna sees Jim about some spotting that she's having and he tells her like instead of telling her on the phone when she called him that it's perfectly normal he has her come in at 7 a.m which is like two hours before the office even opens and she had to get up at 6 a.m to even like get or like 5 a.m to get ready to like go see him she goes into the room the the patient room he doesn't even examine her he just says come to the office and then tells her it's perfectly normal and, and she does like let him have it be at that point because she's like you had me do all this stuff when you could have just told me on the phone right. that it was fine and he did all of this really because he wanted to see her in person that was like right why he did it but that was again like another power dynamic that like he didn't intentionally try to like make her you know go through an uncomfortable situation to get there but like that's what ended up happening right selfish <laughs> yeah but then i'm like oh, nathan fillion though <laughs> <sighs> um one thing i wanted to also talk about is like the portrayal of motherhood in this movie and how like it changes throughout um, really doesn't like change until the very end of the movie but I think it's just an interesting and really like important way of portraying different shades of motherhood um, and I actually read that Shelley was pregnant with her daughter Sophie when she wrote this movie um, mm-hmm. and Sophie actually played younger Lulu the toddler Lulu at the very end Aww. of the movie which is really special um, but Again, in that HBO documentary, I mentioned like it talked about how Shelley was really interested in exploring these complexities of motherhood and how like you can have different feelings um, coinciding together. So like you can be excited and you can be scared and you can have love and you can also be uncertain. And I feel like there's such a stereotypical like standard of motherhood of like once you get pregnant, it's like you should just be so excited and like like ready to like be a mother full time and I feel like in this movie it really turns that on its head where Jenna just from the very beginning like does not want to be the mother she literally says I am the anti-mother um and I like that we get that portrayal in this movie yeah I just don't feel like we give women enough space to for it to be okay I think even after you have the baby to just say 
this is so hard. Yeah. This is difficult. I'm struggling. I want to break. You know, women are so bashed and guilted for saying that this isn't the it's like every day you're gonna you're gonna have bad days you're gonna have bad months it's very hard to be a parent and it's very Mm -hmm. difficult to be a mother um and when you're pregnant I think there's a reason why we have nine months to to grow this child because people don't talk about how much your life is changed how many women lose their identity having Mm -hmm. a child you know they lose who they are you built all these years working on building yourself and then the moment you have a child it not only fundamentally changes you physically but mentally like your brain like your brain alters your brain literally changes Mm -hmm. so that you're not going to forget the baby or that when the baby cries that you you feel it like that you do not ignore this baby evolutionary situations are going on so that means like things that you found important or your memory starts to like get kind of pushed it's like all these files in your brain get pushed to the side so that the baby is a like priority Mm -hmm. that's kind of crazy when you think about it that all of a sudden you are put on the back mm-hmm. in the on the backs in the back seat as a, as a person you know and yeah. i can't imagine how difficult that might be no matter how excited you might be to be a mother that is a huge change yeah and i, I don't think we yeah <laughs> no no we don't and like i i mean times certainly have changed and i think there's so much more like education out there now than there ever was before but like it's still, I don't think the case where like, I feel like the attitude should be when you're entering into motherhood, it's like joy and like your identity becomes your child. And like, that's just how it is. And you, um, ended up, end up losing like yourself in some ways. And so I feel like there's been more of a shift to like, make sure that you still like have your identity as a, as a mother too. Like you're your own person and, and you're a mother as well. Um, but I don't, this certainly was like not the case, like back in 2007. And, and I like the ways that we see Jenna, like seeing other children in the movie too. And like, they're, they're all like children who are misbehaving, um, right. while, like <laughs> ride of the Valkyries, like plays in the background. Um, but there was a really, like, I feel like very important line where one of the moms of the misbehaving kids like looks at Jenna and says, nobody ever tells you beforehand how ridiculously hard it's going to be. And I feel like that is 100% true. Like there's such a stigma of like, you should appreciate what you're doing and like never complain. And, and, and like our society has also changed when it comes to motherhood too, where we used to be like a community more so like it was literally like it takes a village to raise a child and now more so it's like you should be ashamed if you ask for help I fundamentally like a lot of the conversations things that we don't talk things we don't talk about one in the United States as a whole so what's happening right now is that there's a lot of like discourse between men and women when it comes to like how the household is managed and the labor 
mental labor mm-hmm. and just actual labor that that is usually put on the women in our society um, for taking care of the house, taking care of kids, all that stuff. And one of the things that we don't talk about uh, is that people are like, why is this happening? Is it feminism, the domestic labor situation? One thing that we don't talk about is that predominantly for white families, this is the first time they don't have like domestic help from Mm. people of color in their Mm. homes. Um, Now it's like, it costs money for a long time. A lot of people were being, were able to, if you were American, able to get people from other countries to come and help alleviate some of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then prior to that, we had Jim Crow, we had slavery. So there has always been resources. So now this is like kind of like the first time where people, especially if you're maybe middle-class where you're going to have to like, pick up the weight. And so people are like, well, what's happening? Why is there this gap? Then the other aspect is that our Western society has made it so that there was the idea of a nuclear family Mm -hmm. where you're not having this village or extension or community where we don't have community. And in the sense that in most other societies, the grandparents, aunts, like people are still staying living in the same household together and everybody is helping. And now it's like, you're supposed to get, go to college, move out of the house at 18, get married. And then like, you're separated from that support. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was ever supposed to be this way where we're so siloed into like a family of four or three and not having that support. So I, I just feel like those are the conversations we should be having. Like, look at how things have shifted and what can we do to like make it better in other countries they have daycare that's free they have universal health care like a lot of things that are in place to kind of alleviate how stressful it is it takes a woman two years physically to be able to recover from having a baby two years yeah we don't talk about that we don't even have good health care to to oh my god yeah you know, now they just started adding like, oh, in in the last few years, they just started adding a check when um, just a mental health check for checkup for uh, a woman after giving birth. Yeah. We as a society are like, at least in the US are not capable of like, supporting people wanting to have children. Like, it's like we're pushing that message. But then once the baby is born, it's like, okay, you're on your own, like, goodbye. And right. that's, yeah, it's it's entirely frustrating. The moment you say that we should have different programs, that one, they want to cut those programs, mm-hmm. and two, they're like, oh, well, that's socialism. And it's just like, you can't want us to have kids and then blame it on feminism being the issue. Yeah. Patriarchy hurts not just women, but men. Because mm-hmm. then, you know, if you look at the flip side of things, this puts a lot of stress on on men as well. Um, and, and it also frames, like, if you want to be a different kind of father, a hands-on father, you're weak or, quote-unquote, some men are yeah. like, oh, you're gay, for wanting to, like, help your wife and support them mm-hmm. because you're not just, like, 
a babysitter. That is your child as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like with all of these like changes that you mentioned over the years, like that's why there's more, I feel like of a push where it's a, it's a shared responsibility in the household with the man and woman all both like taking care of the child. And I feel like that's still not the case for a lot of households where there are these patriarchal standards of like, well, you're the woman, you take care of the kid. I'm the man. I am the breadwinner. And I think it's just so important that when we start dating, even in the beginning, and then you're constantly having those check-in conversations, Mm -hmm. where do you, how do you envision parenthood? How do you envision our life being parents? Um, Because I don't think people have those conversations. People are like, yeah, I want to have kids. That that's as much as some people get into it. And they are shell shocked when they have a kid Women should also look at the stats that when we get sick, men leave. Not just like having a baby, but like when, if we have cancer, we're diagnosed with something. Mm. A lot of the times men will dip out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's one of the concerns that doctors actually have when you're diagnosed with cancer as a woman. Like this may happen because yeah. they're not up for the challenge of it all. So you should have yeah. all these kind of conversations because you Absolutely. don't know what your life is going to be like once you ha- you know, get married. Yeah. And that was something in the movie that I don't think I caught until I watched it this time around. It was that it Earl didn't even seem like he wanted to have a kid where he's like, he was no. like not into like being a father. He wasn't into um like that's typical stereotypical role of her like being a mother because he just wanted her to himself so it seemed like they were both aligned on like not having kids it's just the situation that unfolded but then also at the same time he like totally changes gears and (laughs) yeah and is like we're gonna have a baby boy and like the way that he just assumed that it's gonna be a boy which also just irks (sighs) me every single time like that happens (laughs) like you have no idea and also like it and the way that his face looks when um they say it's a girl and he's just like so disappointed I'm like you're just awful I hate you (laughs) I know that's what I hate seeing um like people just are not using their critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. If you have a gender reveal party, which I'm like a hundred percent tired of these gender reveal oh, parties, I, by the I way. I am anti-gender reveal party. <laughs> I'm like, this is dumb, but okay. Um <laughs> one of the things that really irks me is seeing people especially men when it's a girl they look so upset or like have Mm. this huge freak out your child is going to see this one day yeah Mm -hmm. they're going to see that you were not happy about them coming the way that they're coming i just saw a video i think it was a tiktok um and it, the way that it started was it was a gender reveal party. Blue came out, whatever. And the guy, like, was so excited that he, like, was smashing things. And it was just so strange. And then immediately it cut to the guy making the TikTok saying, like, red, like having, like, red flags everywhere. Um, because that just seems so, like, okay, you're excited. That's one thing. But 
to like have a like I don't know like a very toxic masculinity like reaction is just ridiculous they can't regulate their emotions and I think one of the first signs that some of that stuff happens is the cake cutting situations Mm. these videos that keep showing up where like you're supposed to feed each other cake and sometimes like smudge a little bit or get a little cream on the nose depending on how silly you guys are mm-hmm. um are willing to do be but if you know for your wife that she has spent months and months and months yes. planning her dress planning her makeup trying to look as beautiful and flawless you're also in front of all your friends and family her friends and family why would you and some of them are so violent yeah. about how they smash the cake or like they're chasing her. Mm-hmm. I was I, honestly, oh I would God. be like, "We're not filing. When- <laughs> We're not filing these papers. I am not marrying you." This is a huge red flag. It shows me that you do not like me. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. like me. That was I a conversation my husband and I had before we got married, where we were both like, "We are not smashing cake." in our faces because we are dressed to our best but we will each take a fork and I'll feed you your cake and you can feed me mine and it'll be very clean and dainty because <laughs> there ain't no way I am gonna be having cake all over my face when I've gotten my makeup professionally done right. and my hair professionally done and I'm wearing this expensive dress like no it's not happening I would be arrested <laughs> because I would slice him up right if he did that to me oh, like there's absolutely. just no way and i watch some of these videos and i watch the women and i'm just like yo that man would not be breathing red flag red, okay? flag. red flag like that's yeah oh. oh my gosh um but yeah one of the other things i really like in this movie is when her friends give her her baby book which i feel like is another like very quintessential like societal thing where you get a book and I mean I don't know if you have this but I have a baby book and my mom like wrote things in it and like put pictures and like it's got my first like word and my first like whatever um so there's like all these things in it so they her friends give her a similar book but she uses it to write dear baby letters and Mm -hmm. I love the entries because there's such an insight into her fears and frustrations and like she's very she doesn't like talk to her child like a baby she talks to her child like a person and tells her baby how it is like the world's just not a fine place and it's not a great place to bring be bringing you in to it but this is the situation that we're in and also don't take it personally that um I'm not like other mothers and and she admits that like she wishes she could feel excited but like Earl's just taken all of the love out of her yeah I um my mom did make a room <laughs> it's funny you know how they joke about like when you're the oldest how yeah parents have like books and books and books and by the time the youngest comes along it's like nothing so my mom did have a baby book for me um and then she had a scrapbook as well and I'm really glad that she did it because it's just like um a meaningful tie to her to feel like how she felt when she was raising me Mm -hmm. and the 
fact that she took the time to make those little notes might seem like trivial, but it makes me feel so loved that she was so happy and joyous to watch these like moments with me. I thought was nice. Yeah. I love my baby book and I love like reading through it and learning about myself when I was younger. Cause I like, you obviously don't have any memories of this. Um, as a baby but like knowing that like my first word was like poop or something like (laughs) it's just like and it makes me laugh and I feel like it's a it's a really good way to like bond to and create those those moments um and and yeah I, I also really like the relation we don't like get a whole lot of insight into Jenna's relationship with her parents I think you're kind of spot on where I don't think she necessarily had a good relationship with her dad because she never talks about him. She only talks about her mom and how it's her mom who taught her to make the pies. And so it's like every time she's making a pie, it's like she's getting to be with her mom again. I I don't know what happened to her mom. I'm I'm guessing she's since maybe passed at this point because there's just like no communication with her and so like her making the pies is a way to like have those special moments back too yeah which is nice Mm -hmm. i agree um well i think that kind of brings us to the end of the of the movie if we want to talk about jenna having the baby and one thing I did like is that she shouted, I want the maximum legal amount of drugs. She's first of all like, I want drugs. I want the maximum legal amount of drugs, just to clarify. And for an instant, I really thought Earl was going to be like, you really shouldn't like put drugs in your right. system when you're having the baby. And I'm like, it is not your decision. <laughs> it is her decision. <laughs> I love that as soon as she holds the baby. Mm she just shifts yeah her whole existence shifts and like as Earl was talking you could hear him it's almost like he's not saying anything because she can't even hear him yeah and with Jim she's like over it she's over everyone like the only thing that matters is the baby Mm -hmm. and how she's just able to just make make money moves now like I'm out yeah. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I think it's, it's also so like important, like right before that happens is like when she has the baby, she screams, I don't want no baby, Earl. And like yeah. it takes her a long time. Like she's obviously exhausted, but then it takes her a long time to like look at the baby and the nurse is like, Do you want to hold the baby? And and says it multiple times. And then finally Jenna like says, Bring her to me. And I love that moment where, like, it like everything literally fades around her, yeah. and it's just her holding her baby. And when fucking Earl has the audacity to be like, "Now, don't you go loving that baby more than me?" I love when she like calls him out on his shit yeah. and says, "Like, I don't love you. I haven't loved you for years. I want a divorce." If you come within six yards of me, I will flatten your ass and I'll love it. And uh, I just remember seeing that for the first time and being like, finally, like you're finally telling him off. Hell yeah. My mom said that when she had me, it 
made her just stronger because she had to go and fight every single thing to make sure that like it just gave her purpose and I really think a lot of people when they have kids it does give you this feeling that you never experienced before because now you don't just have yourself to take care of you have this wonderful baby and I think it gave Jenna the the courage and strength to like push all these things out which was wonderful and you you become mama bear like yeah literally um and then joe passes away Mm, um and we find out that he has left the diner or and money money he left money for her he wrote her a huge check i tried to like see what it was because she kind of obscures it with her hand and i was like it looked like at least two hundred thousand dollars and um on imdb someone says that it's um exactly two hundred seventy thousand dollars and four hundred fifty wait sorry i said that really weird (laughs) two hundred seventy thousand dollars why can't i say this it's two hundred seventy thousand dollars i'm just saying that (laughs) wow i had a brain fart no, no, I, I get it. I do that all the time. But I think that also gives her courage to be able to yes. tell Earl to shove it because now she, financially she has yeah. something to stand on. Yeah, she definitely doesn't like have to go back to him after that point, which like was another maybe like unrealistic part of the movie where when it comes to victims leaving their abusers, like it can take more than one time and oftentimes like that's when you're most vulnerable to violence from your abuser because they'll come after you um and Earl just seems to like disappear from the face of the earth thankfully I just like to think that the earth swallowed him whole and he no longer (laughs) exists (laughs) and that's that's my reasoning I'm sticking to it yeah goodbye Earl for yeah goodbye Earl (sighs) love it um And yeah, like you said, she ends it with Jim. And I feel like that was also something really important, too, for Jenna to do. Because, like, she mentions that we should just say goodbye and end it now before other people get hurt. And thank you for, like, everything that you did for me. But she had also told him earlier on that she doesn't need him to save her or she didn't want him to save her. And I feel like in this instance, she's like picking herself. And yeah, there's so often times where it's like, here's the like rescuer saving like the damsel in distress. And right. in this instance, she's choosing herself because she doesn't need to be with anybody else. Yeah. Which I love, mm-hmm. which normally for me, I always love a happy ending with the man and the woman getting together. But this was one of those movies where, the happy ending really did feel right with yeah. Jenna just having being a boss boss bitch and having yeah. her baby and making pies yeah. and not needing none of these dudes and their nonsense. Absolutely. I hope she finds a really great guy down the line, yeah. but it's not those two. <laughs> yeah. I was curious, do you think Jim ever tells his wife and or stays with his wife? I know we obviously never know. Um <sighs> Um, Jim is a coward, mm. so he's probably staying with his wife unless she gets. If they break up, it's her. Yeah, finally having enough. I don't think he has the cojones to do anything. So, well, then he would definitely not have the cojones to tell her what happened. No, either. so yeah, no. they're 
staying in a whatever an interesting marriage that's up to them don't care all I care about is Jenna (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah and I just love the end where she's like making the her pies and singing the pie song and holding Lulu which I was like oh my god as soon as she said her name was Lulu I just loved loved it so much (laughs) And the way that they like walk away from the diner, like then they wave and they like everything's just so happy. And obviously, like we know, like motherhood's not always like that, but we only see like the happy moments because she finally feels like, um, you know, her her depression and the life that she has is gone and, and she has a new kind of love for her child that that she's appreciating. Yeah. So happy for Jenna. <laughs> Me too. Jenna deserves all of the happiness forever and always. All of it. And yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay, so let's get into our segments. So the first segment that we have is Duff Flick. And so these are like funny, rhetorical, even if we wanted to be questions or just things that like were unanswered in the movie for us that we kind of want to speculate on. Um, so my first one that I came up with when I was watching the movie was I didn't understand how to flick Jim could just be her doctor all of a sudden. Like, I feel like Jen, like if your doctor changes, like there's a whole thing where you have to like consent to having a different doctor. I don't know. I feel like that's a thing. And I, and, and the fact that Jim just could be her doctor out of the blue seemed, seemed wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like usually they ask or they and they call and tell yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, that that was weird. Um <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have any questions. Um Oh, also like how dumb is Earl? Like why I guess why to flick did he not notice Jenna was pregnant? Right. He was talking about like she would gain weight and stuff like that. Like most men know when their wife has their period, like all yeah. that stuff. And no. he has no idea. He, well, I think they did a good job of setting him up in the beginning to be so oblivious to everything because it's so yeah. clear when he's talking to Jenna that Jenna is like being sarcastic and condescending to him, but he does not interpret it that way because he just thinks he's the shit. Um, <laughs> and, and so it, 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 yes, I think it's strange that he doesn't um, realize she's pregnant, but at the same time, it feels very in character for Earl to do that. Yeah. Also, why the flick does Earl not realize his wife is having an affair? Right. <laughs> he found the and- money, but he can't find out that she had an affair. Right. Right under his nose. Yeah. <laughs> Um, similarly to this, I want to ask why does like do none of Jenna's friends like step in to help her leave Earl? Like, and maybe right. she doesn't fully tell them everything that's going on. But at the same time, when Jenna leaves to go with Earl, like there's a m- short moment where her friends are like, "We wouldn't want to trade her life for like ours." Like, so they must know like it's bad enough to like not want to be with Earl. Yeah, and we don't know, like, we don't also get, like, background or context as to if they've tried in the past mm. and things didn't work out, yeah. um, 
but also again i think it's like the culture you know when you're in sometimes the people you're friends with reflect where you're at in life Mm -hmm. and the fact that all of them kind of have their own situations going on yeah could speak to that so i think it's a combination of that she may not say how bad it is with earl to them and to they're they're all in shitty situations and they might actually think it's normal yeah very true yeah yeah but well thankfully they would have noticed yeah at least like don and and ogie had her like accepted her into like their home after she had the baby and like they were like you can stay with us so i really liked that they were supportive in that instance um and then and then she like could obviously support herself because she she got that money honey from uh, yeah from joe um but yeah so like then our do you have any other questions before i i move on okay (laughs) um our second segment is dick of the flick and I feel like this one's an easy one, but there are still some like other people I had on my list. Um, Obviously, Earl, I think, is the dick of the flick in this movie. And Jim could be right there with him. Yes. If there's a hierarchy, Earl's number one, Jim could be number two. He could be. I had, I need, I feel bad now. I had Jim and slightly Jenna on here just because, not like because of like, earl but because of his wife but now i'm i'm immediately taking jenna off this list because i i don't feel like i can hold her accountable (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah jim jim for sure like he we talked about his power dynamics and like the situation he's putting her in it's it's kind of being a dick jim um yeah i i also had ogie on here i know like he's lovable but he's also he's aggressive aggressive and like another kind of instance of male toxicity because of like the way that he just wears dawn down um yeah i like i would i don't know if i would call him an incel but um i don't know he was giving me those vibes a little bit yeah i could so see him switching Mm -hmm. he doesn't take no for an answer at all like but if she had finally just said look you need to go i could see him yeah totally turning so yeah yeah um and then i had i would say all the men yeah because i had cal (laughs) on here too i was like cal's kind of a dick because he's not like great boss but then also he has a very like surprising moment where he noticed that jenna was pregnant he's like she's like how did you know and he's like i have two eyes and i can see and he's like, right. I don't care if you're pregnant as long as you can carry a tray. You can have the baby in in the diner for all I care. And Jenna's Jesus. like, I mean, that's not great to say, but Jenna's like at the time like relieved that uh, he's not going to fire her. Um, so, yeah, I Crazy. think all the men in this movie, except Joe, because I got to support my fellow Aquarius. Um, <laughs> but Earl is definitely the dick of the flick for sure. 100%. Yeah. Goodbye, Earl. <laughs> goodbye um okay so now we come to our last segment which is how many flicks do we give and for context i always like to give a little bit of background on how this movie was received critically um so on imdb it has seven out of ten and on rotten tomatoes it has 89 percent from critics and 74 percent from audiences so definitely fresh all around 
Um, Danielle, I'll let you go first with your rating. We give one out of five, five being the highest, and you can give decimal points. I think I'd do like a 4.5 for this movie. I mean, I own it on DVD and I I love it. Um, So yeah. (laughs) Nice. I think I'm in a similar boat. I'm going to give it a 4.3. I really, really enjoy this movie a lot. It's such a comfort movie, even though like it seems so strange to say because the premise is so depressing, but like just the way that it's... um, like portrayed on screen is just so refreshing and Carrie Russell like obviously makes that a lot um be that be that case a lot because of the way that she um conveys emotions on screen and like goes from from comedy into drama and I I just love her in this and the entire cast is like great too I think it's a really smart script and I love like the the story device of the pies and all these like conversations that we've talked about around motherhood and masculinity and and all that. I think there's just so much rich discussion you can have with this movie. Um, so yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I really like it. Four point three from me. So yeah, um, Danielle, I want to give you a chance to plug your podcast or anything you would like to at this point but definitely let the listeners know where they can find you um yeah so I have a podcast that I co-host with my best friend of 25 plus years named Jackie and it's called no more late fees um it is pretty much us rating our favorite 90s and late 90s early 2000s movies um (laughs) where we watch some of the best and worst of the time. (laughs) And it's definitely, we have our unhinged moments because some of these movies are really crazy or they just don't hold up after Mm. years. Um, So you can find no more late fees on pretty much every platform where um, you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, um, and we are on social at No More Late Fees on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, definitely take a take a chance. Um, listen. If you don't like the movie Titanic, listen to our second episode <laughs> of Titanic. <laughs> if, if you do like Titanic, don't listen to our second oh, episode. No. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, like, there are moments where, like, I love Titanic and then moments where I'm like, oh, my gosh, Titanic. But then I feel like every time Celine Dion's song comes on, I'm like, it sucks me back in. It gets me. <laughs> We're um, tape two enthusiasts on our podcast because back in the day, that movie when it came out was on two VHS yes, tapes. I remember. So we just like to get to the meat and potatoes yeah. of it all. Yeah. And so second tape all the way. But, the first yeah. tape ends with them on doing like the kiss, right? Like that's how the first tape ends, right? I feel like that's what I, I remember, but maybe not. I feel like I, I have to I, I can't I can't remember. Jackie yeah. probably would remember. Um, but I feel like by the time the second movie second part of the movie takes place, like they're hitting iceberg. There's it's oh, yeah. the action. That's the, like, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The good stuff. The good stuff. <laughs> the good stuff. 
but yes, definitely uh, follow them, listen to their podcast and follow them on Instagram and TikTok for like such amazing video content, like I mentioned earlier on in the episode. And I'll make sure to link to everything in the episode notes here. So listeners, you can just click see more on the details, scroll down a little bit and you'll be able to click and find them right away. So no excuses. <laughs> Um, but yeah, okay, so for our next flick, I'm really excited for this next movie. It is one that I have never seen before, so we'll see how it goes, but I'm going to be watching Inside Llewellyn Davis. Have you ever have you ever seen it? Okay. No. I'm not alone. Um, <laughs> it does have Oscar Isaac in it, so Ooh, that's a selling nice. point for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And I think it's about folk music, which I love folk music, so I'm totally on board. Um, So yeah, I'm going to be watching that with I Know Movies and You Don't next episode. Um, So yeah, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you like listening, make sure to subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and leave a review. Tell all your friends, all that good stuff. And then you can also follow us on social media. We are at WhyTheFlick on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Danielle, thank you again for joining me for this episode. I had a blast. This was so much fun. Same. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. And I'll have to have you guys back on again so that uh, Jackie can come on as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.